and welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wortman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your super early morning 6 a.m. wake up call out west and all time zones in between and around the world. Thanks for tuning in on this Tuesday morning. So we've we've finished up the return to football in Germany with the Bundesliga yesterday and now have have gotten through kind of opening weekend no no spectators no supporters uh very little people uh very few people in the stadium for the matches it is a bit odd uh when it comes to um, the presentation you can you can hear everything on the field. Uh, you can definitely um, you know see the the lack of people in the stadium. It was very nice to see football again, though. Um, very nice to see that. And and in terms of the presentation and the and, and the TV uh, aspect of this. Look, I I think there are things you can do creatively to make it a better TV presentation, but um, you know it's kind of like a lot of things that we talk about on the show. You know, it takes some effort, it takes some thinking outside the box, and you know, uh, obviously that didn't happen. Um, I, I I think there's opportunities in this you know, kind of time, you know, call it the, the COVID effect on, on matches to, for, for TV partners to, to rethink how they present their coverage. Um, you know, whether it's different angles, uh, of, of, you know, camera angles or, uh, some other things, but it was definitely nice to see a return to the field, uh, yesterday on the show, we were we were talking uh, a little bit about uh, at the top of the show. We were talking uh, about the MLS and U.S. Youth Soccer um, Academy uh, announcement, and it and I, I want to clear something up. This is a this is a ma- major league soccer is now the administrator of the development academy. It's the same academy that was being run by U.S. Soccer. Um, they're just essentially have have abandoned ship, and Major League Soccer have taken over the administration role. That gives them control, power, authority. That's what they want. That's how they operate. That's that's what they seek in all things. Is they want the revenue and they want the control. So they have control now of what you know is considered to be the top. Um, academy youth academy experience in the country. They've been given control of that as a, as a system. Um, and and so one of the things that that has come out of this is is this announcement about partnerships with U.S. Youth Soccer. And when you when you get into that announcement and you look at things, nothing really changed um, when U.S. soccer was running the DA versus Major League Soccer running the DA, uh, except that there's going to be some kind of criteria where, um, let's say, an ODP, you know, select team, which is is one of the worst ways to scout players. You throw a bunch of players that aren't used to playing together together on the field, and um, you know that that puts players at a major disadvantage from a scouting perspective. It, you know it's it's unavoidable. Like time is the only thing that fixes that. Uh, and and then you know some a higher level U.S. youth soccer uh, in terms of their system, their national league system or whatever. Some of those teams that are not in the development academy will also, you know, get an occasional opportunity to go and play in these uh, regional showcase events and some scouts may show up. That's basically all, all that came out of that. A lot a lot of announcements and excitement to really say nothing uh, or very little and, and nothing that's going to significantly impact um, scouting in this country, um, 
youth soccer development in this country, none of, none of that's going to be affected. And it, it really kind of brings me back to this, uh, this point that our system, because it does not have access and opportunity for anyone anywhere is very limited in the number of slots available. What I mean is if you have a couple dozen, three dozen, uh, let's say a hundred opportunities to play professional soccer and by opportunities, I mean clubs, teams, so, so let's say between NISA, USL League 2, USL, um, not, excuse me, not USL League 2, NISA, USL League 1, um, USL Championship, and Major League Soccer, that you have 100 um, professional teams. And I, I don't even think we have that right now. We're, we're, we're well under that number. But... Let's say we're at a hundred, which is which would which would be more than we already have. Even then, that's like two pro teams per state. That's not a lot of opportunity. If you look at the Premier League, you look at that at the championship in England, the London metro area no, alone has one tenth. Of that number. Just in London alone, that's 10, 10 teams at the top, you know, two levels of, of the English pyramid. Just in London alone. So we were talking through yesterday this idea that, look, if 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 you had a professional team, you know, for roughly every 200,000 people, what would that look like? And, you know, that would that would leave a city like New York with with a hundred professional teams. Now, that's not to say that a hundred professional teams are at, you know, uh, MLS or USL championship level, but it's it's saying that they're they're professional in some capacity. So most of those, let's say, are operating at the division three level of our current system in, in a NISA or USL League One type of scenario. And that's not to say that 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 number has to be held to. I'm, I'm not I'm not advocating for a top down approach. I'm actually I'm I'm advocating for the opposite. I'm advocating for putting the power and the freedom and the opportunity and the access of club growth, club formation, club prosperity in the hands of the people. Let markets decide for themselves. Let the cities and the communities decide for themselves. Are they going to support the club? Are the clubs going to do enough to win their support? And in doing that job, are they rewarded? If they win on the field, do they do they get to play it in a bigger league? Do we incentivize the country to support soccer? You know, do we do we? say here here's the opportunities come and get them because right now living in a country where you have less than a hundred professional clubs just for 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 the men's side and nine professional clubs and they're not even clubs non-professional teams part of one club the nwsl for women that's that's a problem and the reason why it's a problem is lack of opportunities. There's only so many roster spots. So by having so few opportunities, there's a, there's a couple things that come that that happen as a byproduct. Number 1, one of the things that happens is players are not being developed at scale for higher standards, higher levels. So the conversation remains, hey, go play in college. Why? Because there's not a lot of options. For a country this large with millions of registered players, if, if you operated off of a roster size of 25, and, and we know that on the men's side, we don't even have 100 uh, clubs, operating 
in professional soccer on the men's side between Division One through three, but let's say there were a hundred at twenty-five players per roster. That's only twenty-five hundred players out of millions of registered players. So where do their opportunities come? What's a real opportunity? What does that look like? Now, most players that start playing the game are not going to play in college, and they're not going to play professionally. We, we understand that, but should the numbers be higher than they are? Could they be higher than they are? Absolutely. Well, how do we get there? We create incentives by having more teams play at a higher level. That means less centralized control, less top-down control, and more power in the hands of the people. I re- we, we got an email to the show the other day, and, and one of the things that the email brought up was the effect of the development academy on clubs. And it's, I don't know that it's something we've ever gotten into on the show, but it's definitely something that, that I have seen before and, and have heard about before. And that is clubs that are on the outside looking in don't like the fact that they're on the outside looking in because they can have a player that they like and a player that maybe they spent a lot of time, you know, working with and the player likes them and likes playing there and they feel like they're getting better. But then at a certain point, because they weren't given status, they lose the player. They, uh, you know, a team that's in the DA becomes the pathway for that player. One of the the reasons for this hesitation to to release the player, there's a few of them, but one of them is revenue. That's a a revenue loss. When that player leaves that, that team that they were playing on and goes to the Development Academy team, that player is a revenue loss for the former former club. It's also a multiplier effect because what if that player was really good and other kids wanted to play with that player, therefore the revenue loss is actually a multiplier effect. And over time, that club that may have been doing pretty good and was, you know, developing some players, maybe they were, you know, growing the number of players they had in their team and in their club. Now that number starts to fall because they can't, they have a glass ceiling. They can't go beyond. So there's a multiplier effect that these clubs don't look and it creates this animosity. We don't want you to see our players because then you're going to take them. And, and who does that hurt in the end? Well, it, it hurts player opportunities. Having more clubs be able to qualify for the development academy, just like on the professional side, helps reduce or eventually eliminate those issues. Now, you're always going to lose players. I mean, go into open systems around the world. You're going to lose players to other clubs. That happens. But, and and this is the big key, clubs have the ability to do something about it. It's not just left to a gatekeeper to decide for them. They can try to do something on their own. Now, maybe, maybe they're not able to. Maybe that their ownership and their leadership is not good enough. But you know what? That responsibility is the responsibility of the owners. It's the responsibility of 
the leadership. It's not that is it's not the player's fault. It's not a club's fault. It's the responsibility of the club and having those opportunities. It's it's an issue. And um, we'll get into more of some of that email that, that came in. But I thought that was an interesting point, kind of talking a little bit about, uh, w- you know, what we were looking at yesterday with the Development Academy. In other news, the NCAA took another hit in court um, with uh, athlete compensation. The Ninth Circuit ruled that the NCAA's restrictions violated federal antitrust law and um, that dealt another blow to the NCAA's efforts to keep tight limits on compensating student-athletes. Now, this didn't, like, completely open the door to paid players, but one of the things I found interesting, this out of the Wall Street Journal, um, as it relates to this antitrust situation, because there's a lot of situations within U.S. soccer that are exposed. They're, they're in a lawsuit right now about antitrust and the Sherman Act. The same lawyer, Jeffrey Kessler, that uh, took on this case and is and is won the appeal, won the, won the case, won the appeal again against the NTA, is the lawyer working with the NASL on a Sherman antitrust case against U.S. soccer, Major League Soccer. So interesting story to follow there as the same types of accusations um, are are being levied against uh, U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer. One of the things, though, that I, I found interesting in their coverage of, of this ruling in the Wall Street Journal is... Basically, this idea um, about amateurism. So, one of one of the, the the parts of the opinion from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals um, is is that this opinion also highlights that the courts are likely to continue to play an active role in the highly charged fight over the definition of athlete amateurism. And why is that important for the purposes of our conversation? Amateurism is a situation where in America, it has kept a lot of people from going all in on professionalism in soccer. They're afraid to lose college eligibility, college as an option. If the amateurism rules continue to change and tweak, there could be a very big positive side effect to that, and that is families as well as clubs are no longer hesitant to invest or treat players in a certain way because of losing college eligibility. If players are not at at threat of losing the opportunity to play in college, even though I don't think that should be their aspiration if you want to play at the highest level, but having that as a backup or a fallback option for players and not having that in jeopardy, that means that those players and clubs and even in more clubs than, than we're, we're talking about now, have the opportunity to really say, hey, let's go all in on trying to create professional players. Look, it's, it's not going to hurt you with college. So here's what we're going to do for you. Boom, 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 boom. I do think there could be some positive effects there. Uh, the amateurism rules uh, that we have in this country are, you know, archaic, in my opinion. They're, they're way too restrictive. And... It really hurts the the American player, especially um, the, the developmental cycle of these players, because it, not every family has money, not every family has the ability. But what if a what if a kid could have a sponsor? Uh, what if a club could sponsor the kid? And I don't just mean a scholarship. I mean like truly sponsor a kid. You find a really good player and you want to keep them with your club, well, now you've got the ability to, to, to pay for, for boarding and pay for things that, that the NCAA may look at as 
you know, a violation of their their amateur definitions and amateur rules, this could eliminate that. That's a big deal. And uh, and I think would be another good step in the right direction. So got to got to follow that um, case as well. Coming up uh, right after the break, uh, we're going to we're going to dig into the vault um, from a little over a year ago. We were talking yesterday and a little bit today on the show about scouting, and I, I wanted to bring back this interview with Tommy Muller Nielsen at the time. He's a scout with Manchester United, and to hear from a scout, and you know, we've we've seen this word thrown out as as another marketing buzzword for Major League Soccer and U.S. Youth Soccer in the last few days about we're going to open up more scouting opportunities. And I, I don't I don't see it. I, I I think is is more access better, yes, but I don't see this having a cascading substantive effect over the the long term and and for a wide spectrum of players. Um, in its current announcement, current form for Major League Soccer and the U.S. Uh, youth Soccer uh, announcements, but. One of the things that I do think would be good is that if you hear from scouts like a Tommy Muller Nielsen, you you start to find that that there's there's more to scouting than than a couple days. It's more than just a little bit. Like if you live in a feeder pattern system with you know somewhat close proximity to a major league soccer team, you might actually get scouted properly. The problem is that's not happening at scale when you've got millions of players and. You've got, you know, a couple dozen major league soccer teams. That's not happening at scale. Um, and, and it, it, you know, it's just simple statistics and mathematics. I don't, I don't care how, you know, much you want to buy into Don Garber's PR press, you know, uh, press releases and marketing speeches on TV. Um, it, it's simply not doing anything to change the landscape of American soccer just on mathematics alone. However, uh, one of the things that, that people in this country have got to come to understand is what is real scouting? How does that take place? And I felt like this conversation would be a, a good way to, you know, experience some of that. So that's coming up right after this from ductickbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. They are the sponsor of the show today. And, um, if you if you're a player and you're trying to especially right now you're at home and you're trying to figure out like what's my workout today what am i doing and i i know a lot of motivated players who want to make themselves better they want to get better uh but they don't they don't have the they don't have a way to track that they don't have a way to diagram some things out to keep up with their work or journal and they they may grow go to the store and uh, grab a notebook or whatever, but it, it's not the same. Go to ductickbrand.com today. You'll find things that are made just for you as a player and use promo code DWSHOW. You'll get 10% off of that order today at ductickbrand.com. We'll be right back after this.
you grew up in in Denmark. Your your dad was uh, the coach of the national team, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and so you grew up as a player and, and spent time as a coach and and now as a scout. Before we get into the scouting piece, I, I want to go back just for a second and kind of talk about like your youth growing up, growing up, you know, uh, in the in the shadows of your dad and his work and kind of be, being able to grow up in, in and around the game of football. Tell us what that was like growing up there as a kid there in Denmark, uh, be, having that kind of access to the game. Yeah, but I'm, I must say, first of all, it was um, it was actually a, ple- uh, a pleasure because he was a good dad, and uh, I was so lucky uh, as a young footballer to have a dad who was a football coach, and um, that I was more and less involved all the time in football, and uh, uh, the whole interest in the family, uh, everything was about my dad's job. And uh, when I was a young player, used I played for Dance, where he was a coach as well. So um, I was at the training ground with him every day after school, and uh, that was uh, that was. Um, many people will say that it's always difficult when when I became a, a, a professional. Uh, the two first years I got me that as a coach, but. Uh, Many people will say it's very difficult uh, to have uh, your own dad as a coach, but but uh, it, it was okay because he treated me hard, and uh, nobody could say that um, that he's only playing because his uh, his dad is a coach. So um, I had a good uh, use uh, time in Odense BK. It's a it's a great club in Denmark, and. Um, Great club for the kids as well, and uh, we had at that time Danish champions and uh, Danish cup winners. So uh, it was brilliant at that time. So you you continue your your pathway up as a player. At, at what point did you decide? Okay, hey, I want to transition out of playing into coaching. I did. I, I wanted to play as long as 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 possible because. There's, there's two things about football. It's just the best thing about football is playing. And my dad always told me, play as long as you can. And he's telling that to everybody. He uh, he, he told that to everybody. But uh, I was unlucky to get a bad injury at uh, 30 years old and uh, with a bad Achilles injury. And uh, But... Sometimes it can be when you got an injury early, because I know exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a coach like 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 my dad, because I could see he had an exciting life, and uh, I could see that he could make a living out of his hobby, and uh, that was basically what he's always said. Um, if you can do that in any way of life, then you can have a good life, and you you. Um, you you uh, you'll enjoy it. So uh, I know for sure, since I was young player, that I want after my career, which I've actually sought because I was very fit, that would be a long ca- uh, career. Uh, but I was so unlucky with that injury, so that I couldn't come back. But then you can say again that then you're coming early into coaching, and that can that can be very helpful for you. Instead of coming in, maybe when you're, when when you're older. So um, I wanted to play as long as possible, but an injury si- simply stopped me, and I went early into coaching. So, as a coach, what what is your general um, playing philosophy? What what do you what do you enjoy? Is there a certain style of play that that you enjoy coaching, developing players uh, in a, a certain style? That, that you like uh, to play with? Winning the football games. That's simply uh, the first thing I, uh, I'm thinking about. Looking at the squad when you come in as a coach, looking at the players, what you have, what what kind of... Uh, it's not so much about... Football is, of course, about system and, and about there's a lot of things that has to be in, in order. But first of all, you lo- have to look at your players. 
have to see if you have the real players in, have you see if you have players with character, players who want to win and players who want to play for the team and not for themselves. And uh, then football is a simple game for simple people. So my philosophy is about playing my team, keep it as simple as possible. Uh, don't get it too complicated because then you sometimes make it more complicated for your own players than for the uh, for the opponent. So um, I like the way I like my team to play is with a lot of aggression, a lot of power, a lot of energy. Um, get the supporters uh, behind us, show that we want to win the game, and uh, then bring some happiness into the supporters. And you, the best way to do that is to show them that you want to win them games and then try to win them. So you're, you're coaching, you're, you're, you, you, you come up as a player, obviously we we've talked about the, the natural kind of leaning towards coach coaching, seeing your dad coaching, you get into coaching and then you have an opportunity to become a Manchester United first team scout Tell us a little bit about that process and transition from, you know, looking at okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna coach and, and be you know a first team coach and and manage and all of that into this this new role of of identifying and scouting players. Yeah, but it's a it's um it's a little bit longer pro, uh, progress because I really enjoy coaching as well and and uh, I'm a pro licensed coach and been uh, head coach of Glasgow Rangers Football Club uh, in Scotland as well and and coaching is 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 some fantastic thing and what I said before coaching and football is about winning there's a lot of other things of course that's come with with that uh, kind of work you have to make your you your team to play in a, a, a real system you have to have rules you have to train and train and train in all the small details so everything is in order. You have to analyze, you have to know the opponent. There's a lot of things to do, but mainly it's about to, to be so prepared uh, that the players know exactly what to do. And uh, football in, in football games, there's so many things happen, uh, millions of things. So you cannot prepare everything, but you can make the players uh, feel that they are ready uh, to um, uh, to go out and have a battle, but then after a while, sometimes you you always as as um, as a coach you get the sack. You 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 always get do, do do that. Every every good coach, every uh, coach all over the world on every level will will get the sack. It's it's it it it's come with the games, uh, and uh, then. I was lucky at the beginning when I, when I uh, went to Everton with Walter Smith from uh, from uh, Glasgow Rangers. We went down to Everton, and uh, uh, when the manager is getting the sack, the whole staff is going out. So I, instead of just going around waiting on the next job, uh, I became a scout in between as many English coaches and managers are doing, because then you involved. And you know the you know the market, you and you networking, you are coming away from home, and you out to see games, and and uh, you are ready. As soon as as a call uh, comes, we want you as a coach. Can you start tomorrow? So, in between my coaching uh, jobs, I have always been lucky to have good contacts. So I have been uh, working as a scout in in, in between. So um, I was working as um, as a coach in in a Danish uh, Superliga club, and the club went bankrupt. And then I get um, uh, I'm FIFA uh, instructor in professional coaching as well. So um, I did, I did that for around a year when I was traveling around the world and and making coaching courses for yeah very special places Mongolia and uh, Saint Lucia and all them places where you get a fantastic response back for, for what you're doing. Uh, FIFA is not sending 
uh, instructors to Germany or Italy or whatever it is. They send them out where, where they need to learn the coaches how to coach the, the, the players. And um, But then one day there came that call from, from Manchester United that that uh, they were looking to bring some new scouts in to be involved uh, in the first team scouting. And uh, I must say, when you're a first team scout at Manchester United, it's not so much about scouting. It's more, more about analysing how a player can fit in uh, to the football club and to the team because the players we are going for for the first team is players that they're well known. Everybody knows them. It's not about scouting, not about like you scouting. You're going around on a Saturday morning and try to find young talents. That's real scouting. What I'm doing is more make an analyze uh, on players who are targets for us and uh, look at different players, look at different games all over the world and go to tournaments and, and uh, identify as well players who maybe could be one day a target for us. Uh, but um, it's, um, it's a fantastic job because it's a fantastic football club and to be... To, to have that pri privilege to, to, to work for them is, is fantastic. But then again, to be involved in uh, picking players and analysing players to play in such a big football club, uh, the biggest football club in the world, um, is, uh, is a privilege. And um, I really enjoy it. But, but again, sometimes when you sit there on a, on a Saturday, I'm, it's tickling a little bit in my stomach, you know, I'll, then you want to sit on the bench. Then you want, then you want to be a coach again. But when Manchester United calls, you never say no. So you're you. I wanna I wanna kind of dive in for a second uh, on some of the stuff you were just talking about in terms of of the the scouting and the process for the American player and the the American family. This area is very 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 unknown they there are not a lot of scouts in america and there there is not a lot of um knowledge about this subject or topic and and so one of the things i wanted to ask you when when you are analyzing players what are some of the the, the specific things you're looking for when you are evaluating or scouting a player, it, whether that be physical traits or, you know, other, other traits, yeah. what, what kind of specific things are you, you looking for as a scout when you're analyzing, Hey, can this person who is also an incredible talent and player can, can they play at the level that we would want them to play at to be a Manchester United player? What kind of things are you looking for in that? Attitude, first of all, attitude. What kind of attitude is, is, is a player showing? That's what I'm looking for. That, that, that's, for me, the most important thing because you need character, you need attitude to, to play at Old Trafford. Uh, this is a whole very, very special thing to handle, to put that red jersey over uh, your neck and go out and play at Old Trafford. Because of the expectation, because of uh, the massive interest there is uh, in 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 that club, so that's the first thing you look at. Uh, that's uh, the, do 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 they show that winning mentality? Do they show the attitude to work for the team? And do they show the attitude that they'll do everything in the world to win this, uh, them football games? And then after that, you begin to to look at. What kind of position you are you out scouting for? Uh, you begin to look at the thing that exemplar Manchester United right fullback uh, should should be able to do. That's that is of course an, a, a, the, a very very important thing. But you can be a good player, but if you don't have that attitude and and that thing in inside you that well, uh, I want to play for this football club. Uh, and I'll pr I'm really proud of it. It's the same as working for the football club. I'm very, very proud of working for Manchester United Football Club. And that's the way I'm looking at the player and see in his eyes when he's playing. Is that a player who will give everything to the football club? 
and 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 it should be an honor for him to play for us. And uh, many players, you can see that from the start. Yes, he has that. You can see, and then you go and see him away. You go and see him home. You see him against the hard opponent, against the weaker opponent. You see him in bad weather, and uh, you see him in, when it's really cold winter time or something. And then you see, is the attitude still there, or or is he dropping because it's a little bit cold or whatever it is? So uh, attitude and energy level, uh, winning mentality, and then of course his football quality. You need to have, you need to be the among the best in the world to play for this football club. So. As you're evaluating a player, you just talked about multiple scenarios, good weather, bad weather, a hard opponent, an easy opponent. Um, how long? What's a timeline when you're looking and evaluating a player? Because just I, I don't know how, how much you are aware of, of the American system, but, but so often, even at, at high-level amateur teams uh, and some professional teams, hold tryouts where you come out and, and literally for a day you, yeah. you kick a ball around and, oh, well, we'll take you. How long are, are you evaluating a prospect for Manchester United when, you, when you're when you scouting it, from a timeline perspective? It depends on what it uh, – of course, we have them windows here. Uh, winter time and summertime, we have the, the transfer window, and, and we we working up to that window. So it's normally around – if if we need we know for sure that we need a a, a new player for a specific position uh, to the next transfer window, then it's about uh, we have some names lined up, and then we are starting very early to to look at them. But but there many of them has has been in our system for for a long time, so so we know a lot about them, and and we. We what we do a lot. We do a lot what we call crossover scouting. That that um, that example a scout. We have a scout in Holland, and and then we send a scout from Denmark or from France or whatever to have a look at him as well, and one from England. And so there's many different uh, uh, opinions on the same player, and we have many reports in on 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 him. So um, uh, it's not like the old days. Uh, where you can say sometimes you buy a player and he play the next day. Um, uh, we 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 can take our time now to really uh, be sure, but you can never be sure uh, about it. You, uh, uh, but to be so sure that you mean that this this boy is 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 a player we uh, we want, and some players. Is some so, so sometime then you can say yes he's a one, no doubt about that. That that's a big scouting is is very much about seeing. You go around in your countries and say and, and you look and you and you can come back and you say no, there's nothing here for us at the moment. Football comes and goes in waves, so sometimes. You can go around in in Holland or whatever it is, and you can the scouts there can go for for a year, and there's nothing. But then maybe for the youth scouts as well, then then some young boy is coming. But uh, the the best scouts is more the scouts who can say yes or no very quick, because then you don't waste time. You you don't waste too much time, and that's that that can be a problem if you have scouts who really don't want to take that risk and that decision to say yes he's good enough for man united uh because you can see him on the pitch playing for another team and you can see him play absolutely brilliant week after week and then you sign him and then that pressure that comes taking that red jersey on you cannot see that on them when when they play for another team, you you find out when they come, and they have to go in uh, uh, on Old Trafford the first time. Then you find out can he handle or not. But of course you you try. That's the reason we try to see them in so many different uh, 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 environments uh, uh, as we can, 
because the best thing is if, like the uh, 192 group, they've been at the, at the football club for uh, the whole life. So they know what Manchester United is about. The expectation and and uh, the pressure there is and everything that, that's go on is about Manchester United. Every little thing that everybody know everything. So um, uh, the the good scouts, they can say, well, yes, he's our player. And, 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 and somebody can, it can take a little bit of time. But again, there's something you cannot see before they, they come in first time. So it's, it's, it's different time-wise how you can do it. When I, when I started at Glasgow Rangers, um, there was a year before the transfer window uh, started. And uh, we had a couple of games where we have to play Celtic, which is a very, very, uh, what you probably know about, uh, local derby in, um, in Glasgow uh, between uh, Glasgow Rangers and Celtic. And the religion is coming in as well. And uh, we could do that, that once we signed Mark Hadley back for that all-firm game, we signed him two days before, just for that game, because we know they hated him. Uh, so we signed him back from Coventry in England, I think it was, back again uh, to Ibox. And he started uh, uh, simply jumping direct into the goalkeeper so everybody knows he was there. And maybe he didn't play there. He played four or five, ga- four or five games. And that was it. You cannot do that anymore with them windows. Uh, you have to wait and you, you can sign them in the windows. But... Uh, and many deals are getting done, as you know, the last second of of, of the of, of the window. So um, it's different times now than it was uh, for 15 years ago. Um, but um, we 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 have to adapt for that. But as quicker we can be prepared that we know exactly what we want and what what uh, the manager needs, then then as as better it is. How much, how much do agents play into this transfer slash scouting process? Do do they ever, are they ever trying to kind of put forth their clients to you guys as scouts? Are they ever trying to influence which way things go in terms of transfers, etc.? Or or are you guys kind of, uh, you know, kind of separate it from that? Uh, back and forth. No, but uh, agents belong to the games nowadays. There's, there's no players that everybody have an agent, and even even in Denmark or in England or whatever it is, the young boys uh, down to to thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, they have agents, and uh, they are part of the game. And 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 uh, of course, they they play a big part uh, because they have the contract with the players, and, and they. They're good agents and 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 they're uh, bad agents, but this is exactly the same. They're good players and bad players and good coaches and bad coaches. So, so they belong to the game now, and and uh, we we have to deal with them because they represent the players, and they will of course do the best they can do for the clients. So, so um, that's how it is. They. They belong to the football game now, and uh, there are many good agents as we don't have any problem with. So, um, so um, of course they 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 play a big part because they want to do the best for the client. Um, so um, that's that that's a part of the game, and and they are there, and that's the same in basketball or baseball or whatever it is in America. There, I don't think there's a basketball player over there without an, an agent. I, I don't know, but I think it, it, it'll be exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, the, the one of the differences with the American sports system that that I definitely don't like is that in global football, if you're a player, you you have the ability to move to another club. You can be seen by other clubs, and that the movement is a little bit easier where. If you're coming up through the the college system, 
and yeah. you're going to go into like the NBA or the NFL or in baseball, they have these draft systems. And so you, you don't yeah. really get to pick where you want to go. The scouts are scouting to see who they're going to pick when whatever is available. But um, yeah. I definitely prefer the, the global football system in that, that I think it's better for the clubs and I think it's also better for the players that you can try to find yeah. the exact pieces that, that you're looking for to make up a team and, and build – uh, a roster and a squad that that yeah. matches the way that the manager wants to play. So yeah. there in Denmark, I want to I want to talk for a few minutes about Denmark. I I was there uh, a year ago, uh, th- this okay. time about this time a year ago, uh, the second yeah. week of May last year, and I'll actually be back there in a few months uh, in the summer uh, for for a couple weeks. And and I want to you know for our listeners and our viewers, I I want to. I don't think Denmark gets covered enough in terms of what's really going on there and, and, and the football that that's being played and developed and the fact that there are now uh, a few uh, American players that are there. There's a new American ownership group that just bought um, a Danish club as well. Um, you know, what are you seeing there in Danish football um, locally? I see a lot of games here. Uh, uh, I see a lot of games in in the whole Scandinavia because um, this is this is a part of uh, a scout's job as well to be um, to be aware of what's going on. And uh, every scout in Manchester United have an area uh, where you come from. Now I'm, I'm I'm coming from Denmark, so I'm covering Scandinavia. But again, as 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 I told you, it's it's different because uh, the level in Scandinavia is is not so high as it is in Germany or whatever it is. So, but but the level of football, example, if if you take Denmark, it's um, it's uh, the boys are well educated, um, and compared to America, United States, they play football the whole year. They don't have. Um, uh, I, I, I'm I'm so lucky that I have a son who's uh, going on uh, university on college in um, in Texas, and uh, I don't understand uh, the rules, and I don't hundred percent understand what's going on. That half of the year they are not playing games. Example: they 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 play uh, all the games in the first. Uh, part of the season they play with Thursday and Saturday and Thursday and Saturday and then the last part of, 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 of the year or um, the last four months or five months what the semester is they don't play any games he, he, he got a scholarship in soccer my boy and uh, uh, that's a big problem in 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 in, in, uh, uh, in my head that uh, you should like you have seen here in Denmark that all the kids here, they, they have good coaches, they have good facilities, they have uh, the backup from, from, uh, from the club. Um, now you say American owners have bought a second division club, or first division it's called, is after the Superliga. Uh, people are, are, are coming more and more money into the football here. It's a small, it's a small country. Uh, there's only a little bit over 5 million people living here. But uh, there's so many, many good players that that's going around in Europe and play. Maybe not. We got we we had a couple in the in um, in the Premier League, but but they play in they they play professional football in Europe, uh, many of them, and uh, that's because they have a really good education from from the start on. And and I think that uh, that's so important that the the youngsters here. Uh, from a very young age, uh, uh, we we actually we trained every day, uh, and in the morning, then we went to school, and then in uh, in the afternoon we trained again. Uh, when I was a youth player, and and they do that exactly the same now. So um, more training, more games, the whole year round. 
even if it's a way we have a very very cold wind in Scandinavia, but we have astroturf uh, pitches, so we can play the whole with the the kids can play the whole year, and uh, I simply don't understand that the the rules that college soccer has that half a year they 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 are not playing competitive games and they are not allowed to to train so much or whatever it is. It's 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 um it's a huge difference between a small country as, as you mentioned before, uh, and then a massive country like America. Uh, you should have uh, be much much better than Denmark, but but uh, Denmark is 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 um it's it's actually you know European champions and and uh, so. It's um, it's organized and, and always been organized. So um, organization and especially good coaches for the youngsters that that coach them football and not just shouting after them. So on your your college um, insight and opinion, I completely agree with you. It's crazy that we you play, you know. You train and you play, and then you go to college and you play less. Yeah. Um, instead of playing more, you play less. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, you know, it really doesn't make a lot of sense, and a lot of that comes down to in in America the you you have a a different organization in charge of the schools than than the soccer. So, yeah. um, the the NCAA or there's another one called the NAIA in, in both cases, they, they have some similar rules where, where you do get this congested schedule in the fall and then really nothing uh, of substance going on in the spring. Yeah, and, right. and, and you're, you're not getting that year round um, play. Although mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that there have been several, prominent coaches who have been getting more and more outspoken on that issue saying, Hey, we've, we've got to change. We've got to, we've got to make some changes, but you know, that, that change hasn't come yet for sure. And, and I do, and I saw it, you know, I saw it being over there last year in, in, in that the culture, and this is what I've seen, you know, when I've been in, in the Netherlands, when I've been in Holland, when I've been in Denmark, in Spain, and, and you see, culture a true footballing culture because it's part of daily life it's not something that you you go do for two or three months and then you 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 put it down for nine months and then come back that's not how you create real culture you create culture by making it part of your daily life so you're training in the mornings you're training in the afternoons as you were talking about and describing and that is how you start to create this culture uh, a true footballing culture around um, the family, around the, the player, that the kids, everyone kind of understands this is a way of life. If you if you're a footballer, and yeah. and and so your whole life gets you know woven into this football experience, and then you know, and then there are some who are like you who are fortunate to have grown up in the game and then have continued to uh, make the game your profession uh, as a player and as a coach and as a scout and, and continue to, to be involved in the game and continue to work in the game. And, and, and so that, that is one big difference than, than what we see in, in America for sure. So when, when you look at your Europe and you look at the, some of the, Recent, I don't know if you saw this, the recent comments from the president of Juventus who's wanting to kind of change up the Champions League and, and make it more of a uh, a league and, and those teams not necessarily playing in their domestic league. What are, yeah, have, right. you, have, you, have you read any yeah. of that? And, and do you have any, any thoughts on some of those ideas? I, I, there hasn't been so much talk about it as um, I think you know he's been starting it and and somebody has been you know following it up but but I don't I don't think the Champions League that's going on now and now the Euro League as well is a huge success 
and uh, it, 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 it makes everything better because it's created a lot of money into football as well. And the interest in them games is unbelievable. But I think if you take that thing away, the, the daily uh, interest in example taken all the best teams away to play in one big European league, uh, you will uh, you will kill the football. You will kill the interest uh, in it because I was in Scotland when when there were Glasgow Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, Hearts, example. They were some of the stronger teams, but but at, at, at some point Glasgow Rangers got massive financial problems and were relegated down to the fifth league or something. And the whole interest of football in Scotland uh, dropped dramatically because there was, there was basically only one team, and, and that was Celtic. And don't underestimate the other teams because people say to me when, 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 I, when I joined them as a coach, they say to me, it's, 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 it, it, it's an easy league. You, you only have one uh, competitive uh, uh, team up there to play against. But when we went to Kilmarnock, when we went to Dundee, whatever we, we went to, it was like a war because the games were so difficult because if they could have a draw against us, it was fantastic. If they could win against us, it was unbelievable. But if they lost, yeah, that was expected. So it was so difficult to, to, to play them games. So the interest in them big clubs coming to smaller cities with uh, smaller clubs, that, that will go away if you take Dortmund, Bayern Munich, example, away from Germany and, and let them play in, in, a, in, in, an, in a league in Europe for themselves together with with uh, Manchester United and City and Arsenal and and uh, and uh, Juventus and, and and Barcelona and Real Madrid, just for name some clubs, for example, that that them clubs going around is of course as well. The supporters are coming to 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 see them as well. They come to see their own team and support their own team, but they love to uh, to come and see Juventus because. Uh, Ronaldo is playing for them. The, when when they go and play Torino or whatever they're going to play, so that will take all them things away from from the football. So I don't think that will ever happen. I hope not. I I hope that we no. don't. I hope we don't ever see it. I'm I'm no. completely with you. I. But that 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 was exactly the same that they were talking about. Glasgow Rangers and Celtic is massive football clubs. We have uh, 54,000 to every home game. And on the same Saturday, Celtic could, could, could play on the other side of Glasgow with 60,000 people. And Scotland is a small country like Denmark with 5 million. And they were talking about that them two clubs was too big for Scotland. They should play in the Premier League. But no way. It, it, it will... It, People talked about it. There was a lot of... I don't know if you can remember all the talk yes. that was that they should join the Premier League. But nobody would allow it because that would take so much away from the whole football world of Scotland that that um, that that will never happen. And that's exactly the same as when you're talking about a European League. I think that would be the same. Well... Like I said, I, I really hope that we we don't see um, that come to fruition. I really, really, really like the Champions League in the way that it's currently formatted, yeah. and and don't want to see the domestic leagues sacrificed for some idea of a European Super League. I, I oh. think in the long run, it would definitely, uh, like you were stating, I agree, would have detrimental effects. On domestic yeah. football, but it would—I think it would also have de detrimental effects on the clubs themselves who were who were going to leave to play in the Super League. Uh, there's nothing, yeah. you know, like uh, having, e even though it may not be as as 
big a name as uh, you know Barcelona and Liverpool playing today, when Barcelona plays Espanyol or Villarreal or you know Valencia, yeah. any of those clubs, you there there's a there there is a specialness, uh, special quality to those matches as well, and and yeah. I think that there, there the exactly. soul and essence of football would be lost in that kind yeah. of setup. So. Hope you enjoyed that look back uh, with that interview with Tommy Muller Nielsen, scout for Manchester United. Um, that's a real scout. That's what real scouting and, and a conversation with a real scout is really about. Not walking by and having just a quick look at a player and we call it scouting. It's a, it's a deeper, longer form process and uh, we need more of that American soccer. Thanks for joining the show. As always, you can watch at danielwerbin.com forward slash watch. We'll see everyone again tomorrow.